as a communicator, there is no such thing as overcommunication. So keeping people in the loop, it's not just beneficial for making sure that everyone knows where the steps are along the way, but without a doubt, you're going to get a different perspective from someone who maybe isn't even in the marketing and communications function. That's going to change the way you view what you're doing. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And we have a real treat today and we're going to go in a different direction, but one that I think is incredibly important for every chief compliance officer and indeed every compliance professional. I have Lindsay Sweeney with me. Lindsay is generally in marketing and communications at K2 Integrity, and we're going to talk about her role, how she and I have worked together over the past 18 months or so to help craft some incredible, I think incredibly great social media work and other initiatives, and generally talk about how you can use social media and communications to both drive internally messages home, but equally importantly, get your message and brand out to your clients, customers, and everyone in the compliance community. So, Lindsay, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Usually, I'm the uh, silent participant on these podcasts, so it's nice to be behind the microphone. (laughs) So, Lindsay, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yeah, absolutely. So, Prior to K2 Integrity, which I joined about two years ago, I was in the world of PR agencies, three different agencies, working with clients ranging from, you know, the big four firms to even more consumer facing brands working on their corporate communications, venture capital, private equity, fintech, risk management, kind of all coming back though to corporate communications and executive visibility. So then, you know, I took the leap here about two years ago. Um, and haven't looked back since. Could you tell us about your uh, academic background and where you thought you might be after you graduated from college and really your evolution into this, what I'm going to say is a very different space? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to Rutgers undergrad, very proud of the fact that I went to Rutgers. I got my degrees in journalism and history for undergrad. I thought, I really thought I was going to be either a historian or a journalist. I always had like a knack and an interest in storytelling. Turns out neither really was the path. I found out pretty quickly that I loved history, but I didn't want to create a career out of it. I did an internship in journalism, found out I couldn't hack it. And then I you know, stumbled upon an internship one summer that was up by my parents' house in PR. And it had this beautiful tone to it. And then on top of that, I was also very excited that I didn't have to commute into the city. So it was up by my parents' house, had this unique... Ability to not make me commute into the city because back then most internships were unpaid. So I wouldn't be losing money on an internship. And that internship was with Beth Jarecki at the time. She ran a, a firm called Lucid Communications. It was in Westfield. It was amazing. You know, by week three, she had me pitching media. So I, I owe a lot of credit to her for kind of getting me into this world and getting me excited about it. She's amazing. And, and I couldn't thank her enough for, you know, helping me get on this path. So what led to uh, fintech? You talked about some of the uh, or professional background, but why specifically fintech? So I think I, you know, when I graduated from college, I had a little bit of experience doing fintech work with Beth. But, you know, from there, fintech really boomed once I left school. So I went to a really small shop 
and most of their clients were fintech clients. So I had a bird's eye view into how the world was changing right in front of us. And then of course, you know, my job has expanded a little bit since then. And now K2 is largely risk management, but we do work with fintech companies. We work with a lot of financial services companies and all the emerging trends. It's really a blessing, I think, that I graduated when I did and I was able to kind of get involved at a ground level and understanding from day one where fintech was going and how it was going to change more broadly the financial ecosystem. Uh, it- one of your roles, you interned in London, and I was wondering if you could give a few words about that experience and how that may have helped inform your views going forward. Absolutely. So that internship I took in college uh, with Beth really pushed me to new heights, I'd say. And, and London was one of the places that Beth wanted to send me, and she recognized it as a huge opportunity for me. So socially, you know, it was awesome. I had an apartment, a shared apartment in Clarkenwell, which is a very trendy London neighborhood, right, you know, within walking distance to my job. I really liked the people I lived with during, you know, the few months I was there. I had a great time. We had after work drinks every Friday with colleagues. It was awesome. But professionally, even more so, I think I grew a lot. I learned British culture is not so different from US culture, but I did learn a lot about communicating clearly. I was able to, you know, help organize client and industry events, even one at Westminster. You know, I helped write, I was like, all of what, like 23 years old, I was helping write white paper on behalf of a giant insurance, international insurance law firm. Um, and I even got to go hang out on the floor of Lloyd's for a few days. So, you know, I, I got a lot of exposure to different areas of business and risk management. And it was incredible. I think in the grand scheme, it was a really brief period, but I learned a lot about the world of corporate communication and PR. In another life, I did a lot of work with Lloyd's and one of my claims to fame in that life was I put on a mock trial in the Lloyd's courtroom where we had, uh, we flew a judge over from Texas and did a full trial for one day. We had about 500 people. It was really one of the great professional experiences of that part of my life. And I'd like to now turn to K2. It's now K2 Integrity. It wasn't K2 Integrity when you started. So what led you to what was K2 Intelligence Fin? So, yes, when I first joined, we were just K2 Intelligence. That just tells you how much has changed in the last two years. But when I was looking to lead agency life, I had not really any idea what I wanted to do next, but I knew it was just time to go. And I was interviewing at all these like flashy technology startups that were dominating a lot of the headlines. And I, I never really quite felt like it was going to be a fit. And then one day in the middle of my job hunt, I got an email from a recruiter and it described this role or what this role was. And, you know, she said, I'm not really sure if you've ever heard of this company. It's called K2 Intelligence. And I said, oh, that's Jeremy and Jules Kroll's, Kroll's business. And I had known of K2 because flashback, my first ever job, K2 was a client. And a lot has changed here since, you know, it's grown, it's evolved in, in terms of service offering and, and what we do. and who does the work. And, you know, it's amazing. But I really knew from there, I was interested in in getting in the door and carrying that story forward. So I had a couple interviews. And then my last interview was with Bob Brenner, who is just a consummate professional and amazing. And he really sold me in on the job. I think if I wasn't sold already, he told me a couple war stories, if you will. And I was hooked. So I knew when I came in, I would have a voice at the table and I do, which is incredible for someone of, you know, my age and experience level. And, you know, 
just such respect for all the professionals here. And it's a mutual respect back and forth, which has been pretty incredible. Lindsay, what were you originally hired to do and how has your role evolved at K2 Integrity? So I was brought in as media relations manager. So at the time, there was a desire to bring the media relations function in-house, which that is still a big part of what I do day in and day out. But you know, my role really evolved. And earlier this year, we changed my title to communications because now I kind of encompass this holistic approach to how we send our messages, both internal and external. You know, so I help with everything from thought leadership to social media to podcasting to our ad spend and digital footprint. I even do some work on our, you know, outbound emails. I help with some of our internal messaging. So it's really evolved into a much bigger role. And I think the beauty of being at a company that is the size of K2 Integrity is that you do get to have your hand in a lot of different things. You learn a lot. um, And I think that's a unique opportunity, but also you get different perspectives from different people across the business, which helps the company grow and evolve in a good way. One of the major projects I have observed you work on was a complete rebranding of <laughs> uh, K2 Intelligence Fin to K2 Integrity. And I was wondering if you could just sort of describe that process, because I think actually many compliance practitioners and CCO types go through a similar process in the corporate world for their compliance program. So could you maybe just walk through the, the steps and how that was, what your role was in that? Yeah, of course. So I think, you know, it's funny when I, when I first joined here, I, when I told some folks I was leaving agency world, they were like, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? You know, usually when you go in house, your career slows down a little bit. And, you know, of course I was a concern, but the opposite was true when I landed here. In the first six months, we expanded our presence in EMEA with a major financial crimes practice. And we, also merged with a FIN in DC, which is a, a financial integrity network, which is now our DC office. And then from there, we only kicked off a rebrand and oh, gosh, doing a rebrand during the pandemic, I think, you know, it was a blessing um, in some ways. And also there were a lot of challenges. I think like every company faced during the pandemic, you know, a lot of challenges with staying focused and being able to communicate effectively with each other. But I do think at the end of the day, we were really lucky to have done it remote because a lot of the heavy lifting um, and the many hours we would have spent in the office, we were able to kind of spend from our, the comfort of our homes, which made the process a little bit easier. But, you know, once we started the rebrand, it became really obvious. And, you know, to anyone who's in marketing and communications, what I'm saying is probably not going to be earth shattering, but it became really obvious that it wasn't just a matter of changing our name and changing our name in certain places. It was a matter of, you know, resetting how we think about ourselves and how we talk about ourselves outside to not just, you know, clients and the external worlds, but also how we position ourselves internally and making sure we're all aligned. I think, you know, (laughs) there were many steps to it. You got tactical from, you know, making sure every single page of our website no longer said K2 Intelligence Fin or K2 Intelligence or Fin to, you know, down to like transitioning all of our platforms to our new name and getting the timing right on that to communicating it outside to clients and friends and press, making sure our press release was tight and the messaging was great and why we were doing this. And of course, just being consistent that whole time too. The consistency really became key. So I think, you know, when you (laughs) take on something like this, whether it's a rebrand of your whole company or positioning of how you look at a certain department, whether that's compliance or risk management or what have you, there are many, many steps and you will probably, when you make your first list, not 
capture all of them. So it's important to stay really organized and just make sure you're dynamic in that process so you can kind of take on what comes at you as things flow. So I was wondering if you might be able to talk about two or three of the top projects you've worked on at K2 other than rebranding or those that you've been most proud of. Yeah, I think, you know, the rebrand obviously was the bear. I mentioned before when, you know, I first joined within six months, we had, you know, extended our EMEA financial crimes practice. And we also, you know, merged with Finn, which were two big projects as well. But I think, you know, a couple of them, one being our foray into the podcasting world, which is Tom, how you and I became friends. I think beyond just doing the podcast with you, when we found great success there, we also launched our own in-house podcast called Digging Deeper, which was was and remains a lot of fun. And also, I think my other favorite item I think that we've done at K2 is really expand the way we use social media to reach new audiences. So I don't think this is any secret, but LinkedIn has gone from being you know an HR tool and resume builder to being really a, a source of content and thought leadership and a source of connecting people in ways beyond just getting new jobs. So we've really taken a proactive approach to how we use LinkedIn. We're trying new things all the time on both the paid and the organic side. And we've had a lot of, a lot of success with that. And I think that is for me, one of my more proud things is pushing us a little bit outside of what we're, we're used to doing both in podcasting and on social. Lindsay, what are two or three of the biggest surprises that you've had at day two? Hmm. It's tough to say because, you know, I don't know if there's big surprises so much as like little surprises along the way, but I think, you know, I've come to realize one, as a communicator, there is no such thing as over communication. So keeping people in the loop, it's not just beneficial for making sure that everyone knows where the steps are along the way, but without a doubt, you're going to get a different perspective from someone who maybe isn't even in the marketing and communications function. That's going to change the way you view what you're doing. And maybe it's for the better. And maybe you'll find a new way to do something that you wouldn't have previously thought of. And I've had a lot of that here. We have incredibly, incredibly intelligent people at K2. And sometimes I'm just blown away at, at the way we look at things. Second, I think it's really important to connect with your coworkers. Everyone learned that this year. And I think working with a company that we had just acquired or just merged with rather in DC and not really getting to meet those people in person before we all went home was a big challenge. But for me personally, and I think for our team, we've done a really good job at building those relationships between us virtually. And I really enjoy working with a lot of those people. And, and the same thing goes for our folks in London and for our folks in, in Chicago and, and LA. I think we've kind of entered this new world. So I think for me, a big surprise was how important it is to have those personal touch points, even if they're on the phone or, or video. And finally, I, I think maybe the biggest lesson and surprise, I suppose, is that how important your internal PR is for your external PR. So when we were going through this whole branding process, it was really important for us to sell the message internally first before selling it externally. And, you know, we were really successful, I think, in that. But our subject matter experts internally are so well regarded that it makes it really easy to hype them up externally and help you know, get them the traction externally because internally people love them so much and just respect them so much that it's been really helpful in the external world as well. So you talked about the importance of internal communications and specifically during the pandemic, 
that we've all gone through. But I was wondering what are some of the lessons that you might have drawn about external communications over the past uh, 18 or, or 20 months during the time of the coronavirus health crisis? Of course. When we, back in March, like every every other company made the decision to go home, a lot of companies were not really sure what to do next. And for us, it was, okay, well, what do our clients need to hear from us? What does our team need to hear from us? How do we make this communication clear? How do we make it easily accessible and digestible? People were getting hit with like thousands of messages. So it was really important to make it easy for people to understand what we wanted to say and where they could find it. So when we first went home, we created this COVID-19 hub on our website, which ended up you know, curating all of our content around COVID-19, all of our communication around COVID-19 on a hub for our clients and, you know, external stakeholders and friends to make sure everyone knew where it was. We, from an internal perspective, made sure that we had regular touch points as a team. So we were, everything was so dynamic and fast moving at that point. We just wanted to make sure we were all in touch. We also took a really proactive approach to virtual events. Pretty quickly, we were able to get off the ground with events and events on tangible topics. So if we put out a thought leadership article on a topic, we very quickly had an event on it too, or vice versa, just to make sure our message was being told in in multiple ways. And I think too, Tom, when we went home, one of the biggest, I think, coups we had was being able to work with you and getting, you know, our podcast up and running really quickly with you, making sure that our practitioners were excited about it. It was, you know, a little bit of fun, but also a really great way to stay in touch with those in the outside world on our day-to-day business functions. So, you know, there was a lot of, I think, a need to kind of reevaluate how we were communicating. You know, that bite-sized content, I think, too, was important because people were just being inundated by messages nonstop during, you know, especially, I would say, between like March and June of 2020. You mentioned a couple of things I'd like to follow up on. You talked about the evolution of LinkedIn as a social media marketing tool and also how you and K2 have used the podcast series that we've done together as not only a communications tool, but really as a way to judge what many people in the market were looking for in terms of information. And it's leading to a question, which is, where do you see content marketing going down the road? We've had so much change over the past 18 months. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to um, you know, make any headlines saying this, but I do think personalization is going to become bigger and, and, you know, like the targeting of information is going to become bigger. So less of a generalist view on things and more of a drilling down into the details, which we've started taking an approach on. I don't think that's super earth shattering. I think it started before the pandemic. It probably started a few years before the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, it became an accelerated process like so many other things. I also think there's going to be an increased focus on that bite-sized content, the attention span of people at home, I think, to digest things, it can go either way. So personally, I focus a lot better at home because there's, for me, less of a distraction than being in, you know, an open open office plan or something like that. But for some people who have, you know, children or, you know, other commitments going on outside of just their job, yeah, you know, it can be really hard to focus at home. So just making sure you have content that appeals to both those people who need something bite-sized and content that can appeal to someone who wants to sit down and do the long read. And finally, I just, I really think, and this is more of a personal lesson learned, I think. At the beginning of the pandemic, I <laughs> I started cooking a lot, more of like as an escape from thinking about, you know, all the bad headlines going on. And there was just so much happening. 
So I started cooking a lot and I started putting up these, I have a private Instagram account. So I started putting up videos on my private Instagram account on my story. And I did it probably a few times a week when I had like the energy to cook. And (laughs) after a few videos, I was starting to get like messages from people I hadn't heard from in five years, seven years, 10 years. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, where'd you get this recipe? And I was like, my brain, you know? So I would, you know, hear from people that I hadn't heard from in a really long time. And it was nice. Um, It was a nice distraction. And then, you know, the weather got nicer and I was able to go outside and see people at outdoor outdoor dining or, you know, have picnics in the park or what have you. And that stuff kind of slowed down. And I had heard from a couple of people like, hey, like you haven't posted in a while, you know, and be like a little strange. I was like, oh, that's weird that you like really followed that as religiously as you did. And when I picked it back up, I heard again from people like, hey, it was, you know, I, I missed these. I was looking forward to these during the week. And for me, it was like, I am no Instagram influencer at all, but I was hearing from people from all walks of life. Like my fiance would go to work and his coworkers would be like, hey, I saw the recipe Lindsay posted last night on Instagram. Was it good? And it would just be so funny. But for me, that it was the consistency that I did it. I think it was the few times a week that I would post a video that I would, you know, it would be like my chicken sizzling in the pan and people would just like, it was just interesting. It was something they came to expect and want to watch because it was, you know, the seven o'clock thing that they did on Instagram. And I think that applies so much to the corporate world too. If you're going to start a newsletter, make sure you're consistent. If that newsletter is weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, pick a cadence and stick to it. If you're going to start a podcast, you know, make sure it's consistent. Put out an episode every month if, if that's what works for you. But the consistency is what is key, I think, as we move forward. And even more so now that we have this unpredictable event happen in our lives, I think people just appreciated the consistency and we did a lot of that as a brand. And then, you know, personally, as a aspiring chef on Instagram, I did that as well. Lindsay, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time on this episode. But I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics we've talked about or on K2 Integrity, where could they go? Yeah, so I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. And then also, of course, www.k2integrity.com is our corporate website. And you can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. Lindsay, I wanted to do this interview for a long time, so I'm glad we were able to take some time to do so. And frankly, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.